0: On the screen, and it's from uh, the book of Hebrews, um, chapter 4, verse 8 to 16. It's great, and Shell's going to bring that to us. Thank you. together. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have
1: spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God, God's rest. Also rest from their works, just as God did from His. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, wow, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Mm. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Mm. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we, we profess. For we do not have a high priest,
0: Uh, So we continue in the book of Hebrews, this is our third week in Hebrews uh, and it's a book that we don't even know who the author is uh, and yet um, God is present throughout and it's written to within a generation of believers of the time of Jesus and a book that really encourages people in faith and what really matters and standing strong. And as I said, I was at the 150-year Baptist celebration and the book of Hebrews came up a number of times. And the two key talks at the start and the finish, uh, chapter 11 and 12, was was brought up in the book of Hebrews. So we're definitely not the only ones opening up this book, which is is good. And if we go to the next slide, uh, we see the title today, which is Staying in God's Rest. This call for us to enter. And then to abide, to, to remain, to dwell in the best possible rest that is available. And that, of course, is God's rest. So we go to the next slide. Um, rest. <laughs> you see that? Does that frog look like it's pretty happy there? Resting. Got his, uh, he doesn't have his head behind his head, on his belly. Uh, maybe he's had a big meal. Uh, but he is resting. Uh, But we might say resting. What do we rest from? Tell me, what do do we need to rest from? Work. Work. Activity. Activity. Ourselves. Ourselves. (laughs) The day. Yep. Ministry. Ministry. Yep. Anything else that we rest from that we can think of? Stress. Stress. Yep. (laughs) Yep, the world and... Yep. Mm hmm. Yep. And so, if that's what we rest from, why do we rest? Why would we stop and rest? Yeah, we we need it, it refreshes us, it's it's good for us. And what happens when we rest? How do we feel afterwards? (laughs) We feel rested, we feel good, fresh, energized, we feel like... We're alive when we're rested. We feel like we've got something to give. We don't feel the opposite because so often we, we say to everyone, don't we, we're busy, 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 this world of busyness and yet when we find rest, all of a sudden we're not so busy, we're alive, we're active, we're ready to go and that's a good thing. And so as we look at this passage and this actually we're sort of summarizing chapters three and four, the whole focus is on finding rest, finding the best possible rest that we can find. So if we go to the next slide, uh, we see that the worst thing we can do if we want to get rest is to harden our hearts towards God. Because something that's easy for everyone to do in life is to get that hardness of heart in us and start turning away from our Lord. Because what our heart expresses it shows what we value what we truly love because our inward thoughts and our our, i guess our inward feelings they really show what matters because we can always put on a front on the outside but it's what happens inside our heart that's really significant and we are warned time and time in this passage about hardening our hearts And there are many people around us that we know who have hard hearts towards God. And of course, we're called not to copy. Last week, we saw the idea of just drifting away, drifting away with everyone else away from God. But that's not what we're to have. So let's go to the next slide. Let's have a look at Hebrews 3, 7 to 8 before our reading today. Uh, This is what the Holy Spirit says, quoting the Old Testament. Today, it's talking about believers who are hearing now. If you hear His voice, whose voice is it talking about? The voice of Jesus. If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Three times this, this same reference is given, that today, if you hear your, His voice, the voice of Jesus, the voice of God, do not harden your hearts, to it. do not turn away because this quote is actually talking about the israelites in the wilderness and we know what they did they turned away from god and they sinned in so many ways they had very hard hearts and they complained and they were they were bitter and they wanted to go back to egypt and they just whinged and complained until god had enough and he he sort of did things And then finally we get to that time of Joshua. And even as it said in our reading that it started, Joshua didn't even find the rest that was promised. And as we continue, we see why. In verse 12, we go to the next slide. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Where does it all come back to? It comes back to our hearts. And whether we believe or not, whether we truly trust God or whether in our hearts we're really trusting ourselves, turning away from from what God has promised. Because the failing to trust God means that our hearts are away from God and therefore God sees that. And He calls it sin. He knows all about it. Verse 19, we'll go on. It says, See... Sorry, sorry, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The summary verse here is saying, well, those Israelite people in the desert, they did not enter because they didn't believe. The key word that we see coming up here throughout is belief. If you want to enter God's rest, you need to believe, you need to have faith, you need to trust in this God who is all-powerful and Almighty. And that's a challenge to us, a challenge for us to believe, to say, well, whatever this world is doing, whatever's going on, I'm going to continue to believe and believe in you, God. We go to the next verse. Maybe you've heard this saying before, there is no rest for the wicked. Have you heard that before? (laughs) What do you think it means? What do you think it means? Any ideas? What would you say the, the, the term, there's no rest for the wicked? doesn't mean that we're just supposed to go out and have fun every single moment of the day <laughs> until we don't rest because we're having so much fun. It's saying that, of course, if we don't take God seriously, there will be no rest for us. If we have an unbelieving heart, we will not find God's rest. And that's true not only of our current age where we can find God's rest, but it's true for eternity. Because if we turn away from God for eternity, He's going to turn away for us. And it's a sad future if we do that. Rest is good. Rest for ourselves. I'll tell you what is painful uh, is a lack of sleep. It's like a torture. I know that the young mums know all about that. Um, No sleep uh, is torturous, but you see that in prisons. And the whole idea, if you take rest away from people, it's a terrible thing. The whole idea of Egypt was slavery day after day, seven days work, and they were crying out for help because they had no rest. And yet God wants to give us rest. He wants us to find rest for ourselves. And for us to do that, we need to have belief. And so if we go to the next slide, we see that the opposite is to listen, to listen and to believe, to listen to what God is saying to us. Because God is speaking, he's spoken through Jesus, there is his word in this world, but it's about us tuning in and listening, taking it seriously, about saying I am going to choose to listen to what you are saying to me. And we might say, well I do this most of the time, some of the time, but the call of course is for us to stay focused and to tune in all the time. Not to take it for granted as we heard before at communion. So let's keep going with the next slide and see what God's word says. Because there are times when we hear God's word and it is powerful. And that's where verse 12 gets to. About us listening because it speaks into hard hearts and softens them. Because it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. I love that imagery here of a sword penetrating through anything. It, it divides our soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's what God's Word does. It's alive. It's active. If ever we've heard God speak to us, this is what it does. It speaks into our hearts. gets past the stone and it penetrates in and all of a sudden, He's speaking to us. And it matters deeply inside our hearts. It's like, oh Lord, that hurts when you speak. And yet I know that there's truth in that and that it really matters to me. Have you had that experience? Where God's word is spoken to you. And it's like, oh, it's hard, but I know that it's good because it's from you, God. It's good for us to to let that happen and to sink in, even though it's hard. A reminder for us, To listen, to really let God work on our hearts, to break away that stone, to get in there and and bring about His goodness. Because we go to the next verse in verse 13. We can't hide it from God. We can't have this little secret corner in our lives that, oh, God doesn't know about. Because the reality is, God knows everything. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sights, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God knows every desire of our hearts. He knows us so well. And yet he speaks in love into our hearts. So let us not hide the reality of life before God, but let's be honest to God. To listen to him and let him speak into our hearts that they might be changed. Because if we go to the next one, next slide, just that reminder that we need to be listening, tuned in to our voice of our gods. And as we listen, and as we hear, and as we let that truth penetrate, that's when we enter God's rest. Let's go to the next slide. That's when we get to to, to come into that place of beautiful encounter of God's. That's what the whole point of this passage is trying to get us to, that we will say yes to entering God's presence. Yes to find rest for our whole bodies, our our minds, our souls, our everything. From all that we shared before, whether it be the stress or the anxiety or the worries or the concerns. Because when we enter God's presence, everything seems so small in reference to the greatness of God's. When we find his love and acceptance, it doesn't matter that people are rejecting us or or saying harsh things about us. It doesn't matter that all of a sudden our, our, our problems that were too big for us, all of a sudden in God's presence they are dealt with, fully dealt with. Even our guilt that we know that we've let people down or let God down, in God's forgiveness it is all taken away. And we can find the most beautiful thing, and that is God's rest, God's peace. So next slide. It says, now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. That's the wonderful thing about our belief. When we believe in the Lord Jesus, we find God's rest, His peace, and it is good to be in God's rest. And then it goes on in verse 14, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess so that obviously we can stay in that rest. The sort of argument is made, well, you know what, Jesus is so much greater than Moses and at that time some Israelite people that had become Christians were going, well, I'm actually going to turn away from Jesus and go back to the Old Testament faith. But he's like, why would you go to something lesser? Why would you turn away when you can stay in God's rest in Jesus and have it all? Jesus is beyond God's house, it says. He's the the, the architect, being God. Why would we turn away from the voice of Jesus to something lesser? And yet so many times in our society today, people turn away from what they know of Jesus to something lesser, that has less promises, less of life in it, because it looks better to them for the temporary but it doesn't have God's blessing involved in it. And as we continue, we'll go to verse four sixteen. In God's rest, we have the promises. James, next one. And that means, as we heard before at communion, that we can boldly go somewhere that we never would have thought we could go, to the very throne of God with confidence. In God's rest and His acceptance, in His peace, all of a sudden we can boldly go, confidently go to God's throne of grace. We can pray to our God and know that we will receive from Him because God wants to give good gifts to those in His care, in His rest. We can boldly go and find mercy to find His grace. We can boldly go with confidence to the throne of God and he wants to give good things to us. He wants to give us more of his grace, more of his rest, more of his peace, more of the good things in life. It is good to be in God's presence. It is good to be able to pray with confidence and boldness. These are all good things and they are promises for those who have entered God's rest. So you might say to me, well, What does a rested person look like? What do they look like if they've rested in God? Well, the best thing I could think of, it doesn't actually say in the passage, but it's actually to be full of the fruits of the Spirit. So if we go to the next slide, I'm sure many of you have probably heard of what it looks like to be alive in God and full of His fruits being produced in us. It means God's character is on us. So if we're well rested in God, it means that we're full of love. If we're well rested in God, it means that we're full of joy. Anyone joyful today? That's good. It's good. Anyone full of love? If we're full of God's rest, it means that we've got peace. Peace in a world of uncertainty. That's a blessing. It means that we have patience. It means that we've got kindness. We've got goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God's rest produces in us. That's what someone looks like who has God's rest upon them. And it's all by His grace. It's a good thing. It is a very, very good thing. So, we all started by saying, asking about rest. And the reality is, it is so good to be in God's rest. There is no other place we should be. Rather than hardening our hearts to God, we should stay focused to Jesus. Focused on His goodness. We should stay focused knowing that in that rest is peace, peace for us all. And so Lord, may that be true for each of us. May it be true. May that we find that rest. May that be our weeks this week. Would you like to find God's rest this week? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Maybe God's been speaking to you. Is it time to listen that, that you can hear more of Him and get more of God in you? More of His blessing. Well, let's pray. We might experience that. Our Lord God, we thank you so much that there is rest to be found in you. We thank you, Lord, that when we struggle, that you are there. Lord, speak to us by your word that you might pierce into our hearts, that, Lord, you might make ourselves full of flesh, full of love, and that, Lord, that will be good. We pray, Lord, that as we draw near to you, that, that you will fill us with your peace, that you will give us more of your rest and that, Lord, that will overflow into every part of our lives. So we ask this blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, we are going to sing another song now. But I'm not sure